Wake up in the morning, get my grind on. Hop in the shower, brush my teeth, and get my shine on. Hey, Skylar Mac, we taking trips to different time zones. I feel like E.T. Way, these bitches trying to find home. Wake up in the morning, get my grind on. Hop in the shower, brush my teeth, and get my Welcome, everybody, to Living on Purpose Podcast. We're your host, James Hagler, and myself, Jason Wilson. Today, we have a special guest, Kim Brady. Welcome to the show, Kim. Hi, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So Kim is like the master of transition. This this lady has <laughs> has done it all. Uh, for anybody going through a transition right now, uh, you'll definitely get some value out of this show. So Kim, we're going to start from the beginning. Um, you were a soccer athlete yes. when you were a child. At, yes. at what age did you begin? Great question. I started when I was four. My brother is a few years older than I am, and my parents wanted us in activities, and so they picked a sport for him, and one of them was soccer, and he hated it, and I was a little kid on the sideline, and, and he didn't go after a ball on the field, and so I ran from the sideline <laughs> onto the field to grab the ball <laughs> to the more, like total horror of my mom and the horror of the coach, um, but the, the, the cute thing was the coach was super cool, and he's like, hey, just give that little girl a ball. Let her go play on the side. And I just begged my parents to put me into soccer. And so they put me into soccer when they finally were allowed to. Um, I think I officially started when I was seven, but I fell in love with it. Just wanting to get a soccer ball and kick a soccer ball around um, since I was four following my brother. He hated it and he's left. He quit. He didn't want to stay. And then it just stuck with me. Yeah. What, uh, what, what, what did he uh, didn't like about it? He's not athletic. Oh, it's okay. not his thing. He right. didn't like baseball. He didn't like T-ball. He didn't like anything. I had, I, I developed the athlete genes. They all came to me and he just was not into any sports at all, especially any form of team sport. And so that's just not his thing. And so that I ended up just taking that full force. So you stuck with it all through college, right? I did. I played. So I started with ASO, you know, good old rec leagues. And then I was, I was recruited to a club team when I was nine and I said, no, um, the coach was recruiting us here in Southern California. And, and he's like, you need to play. And my parents didn't know soccer at all. So they just kind of let me guide them. And thankfully my parents were like, well, do you enjoy it? If you enjoy it, we'll help pay for it. And as long as you keep your grades up and as long as you keep doing that, well, for me, that was, that was easy. So I just kept pursuing next level, next level, next level, just because I loved it so much. And then I was offered a soccer scholarship to go to Berkeley and I played at Berkeley. I was a four-year scholarship athlete at Cal. And so it just happened to be that, that I kind of led this journey because my parents didn't know much about soccer. And I can honestly tell you that was probably a blessing that I wasn't one of those kids that was driven by anybody else it was just truly driven by my love of the game and the coaching that I had so I'm hmm. pretty grateful I feel really lucky about it and that's the way you're supposed to get involved in sports anyways because that's the only way you stick to it you know if, if you have the heart and the, and the drive and, and the love for the sport uh definitely you know my dad was like that too <clears throat> with boxing he always told yeah. me for my kids don't force it on them just if you see it happening watch it develop. And then, you know, then you step in and you might want to help at that point in time. But until then, just teach them to have fun at it. 
and and that you know and that's 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 the uh the best way it's to it's actually one of the buyers. first kids like if i see a kid like in a grocery store on a weekend you know you always see kids booted up they have all their kits on and they're running around and like if you happen to talk with them i always ask them did you have fun playing today I never ask them if they won or lost. I never ask them if they if they scored a goal or anything like that. It was, did you have fun? And sometimes the parents look at me and I'm like, that's what matters more than anything else. Right. You could win or lose, but did you have fun? Especially when you're little, especially right. when you're little, because you don't want to take that love of a game, that pursuit of pure joy out of a kid's hands if you can't help it. That's right. I agree. Kim, did you have any uh, star players that you looked up to when you were in school? <laughs> yes. Yes, I had many. <laughs> um, I came up in a time where most people now look at the 99ers in their movie and everything else. Those are the women that I looked up to. They were my they were my teammates. They were people who I idolized. They were a year to four years older than me. Um, I also had some teammates that just I just was inspired by them, their will to, to win and their competitive drive that they have. But yeah, Julie Foudy is probably the one that most people know the most because we grew up in the same area and I just adored her. Um, she obviously was leagues above me as far as level and ability. And um, I just, I looked up to her and then, you know, having played at Cal, she played at Stanford, Randy Chastain went to Santa Clara you know, Leslie Gallimore, who's the commissioner of the Girls Academy League now over the entire national youth program. These are women that were pioneers. They they started this whole thing. Michelle Akers, I never um, had the privilege of playing with Michelle. Literally, the, the team that I was on, she had just left. Um, but just some of the best to ever step foot on the field were some of my, my peers. And so to look up to these women was just it was amazing. Like you didn't, you're just like, okay, I'll sit the bench and sub for you anytime. If I get five minutes to play with you, I felt honored. Like they were just that good. They were so good. So take us through your professional career after school. What happened? See, that's the fun. That's the crazy part. So it's like, <laughs> because of soccer, I, I knew, and with the generation that I came from women and female athletes didn't get paid. I mean, most women still don't get paid the amount that, that we should be paid. And they're certainly not always commensurate to what the men's um, athletes in their sports are, are doing. And so what do you do with a psychology degree? You go back to school. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I had always pursued um, my sport as the avenue for academia. So when I was offered my scholarship, I was offered a scholarship at another school. And one of the things that I always asked myself was if I got injured or if I couldn't play this sport that I love so much, where would I rather get my degree from? And it was just hands down to go to Berkeley. And so after I did that, I went to get my master's degree in um, therapy. And I used to be a marital and family therapist. I specialized in working with youth and I specialized in working with uh, severely abused children in various agencies in Michigan. And so for about seven years, that's what I did. So I graduated with my master's at 25 and became 25 years younger than my peers when I, we were therapists together. And I, I just will, I'll never forget walking in there. I looked so young when I was walking in there and my colleagues looked at my boss and they were like, who's this thing? She's green. How is she going to work with all these kids? And my soccer career was, be, she said, because I had been 
playing sport and that I had given back to the sport and was coaching since I was 19 and was doing some other things. She goes, Kim has experience working with kids that many of you don't have. She's just as good as a therapist as you, even though she's young. And so soccer really allowed me that opportunity to work with youth and then become a therapist. So that's what my first, my first chapter in my professional career started with well, that. Yeah. Well, yeah, you had, uh, you already had um, experience in the field. So we, shall we say, <laughs> yeah, 100%, 100%. I think that's, that's what we were talking about before Jason is why is it that athletes carry certain skills that are so highly sought after in most arenas, because we're playing at a level or competing at a level that most people don't understand what discipline, motivation, intensity, purpose, practice, training, they don't have that mentality unless they come from sport or music, for example, something like that, that will kind of guide them to give those skill sets. Right. Definitely. I agree. I agree. So after your therapy, what was Mm -hmm. next? I hung up my hat. I, um, I witnessed some things. I was not a couch therapist. I always joke with people that I was not a couch therapist. Um, I am such a hyperactive person that the type of therapy that I did was working with agencies. So I worked in the juvenile correctional facilities. I worked with behavioral units. I worked in schools. I worked in community centers. And when you're in that environment, you see things in reality that are, you can't place in a textbook. You could try to describe it to a person, but until you witness what some of these kids and families have gone through with abuse, it's hard to describe. Mm. And when I was about 29, I just, I got burned out. You make no money and you are just spent and you spend hours and hours and hours dealing, as I call it, the muck of people's minds, so to speak. It's really hard. And I just had to hang my hat up and said, I'm done with this chapter. I've got to do something else. And so my parents were like, okay, now what, what are you going to do? You spent, you know, seven and a half years of schooling and seven years of your life doing this path. You've never wavered from wanting to do this path. What are you going to do? And said, I don't know. I just can't do this anymore. I'll, I don't want to be in Michigan either. I can't afford to move to California basically threw a dart on the map and took my best friend, my cat and my car and drove across the country to Denver and (laughs) said, I'll get into sales somehow. I need to learn how to make money. I need to learn how to do something. I have a people degree. I can learn skills, you know, so teach me. So I found a job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car and they are one of the largest corporations that seek out college athletes. They're one of the the highest number of, of, people that they actually hire percentage of people that they hire that are college athletes. And they have this huge training program train. It's actually a management trainee program that they teach you how to do sales, how to run and and manage rental properties, et cetera, within their branches. And then I pursued instead of that rental path, after I passed their training program, I pursued car sales. So Hmm. I sold cars for enterprise rent a car. And I was one of the first women to sell cars in the state of Colorado for the company. And from that level, which was really interesting. And then I I left that and went to, where did I go after that? I went to an educational recruiter. So I worked at a technical college to work with aerospace and aviation engineers. So essentially for, you know, not auto mechanics, but airplane mechanics. So students who like working hands-on, who weren't your traditional student, I would go speak in 75 high schools in Colorado and talk to these various students about getting them into a field of study that was in a non-traditional or vocational program. And then I left there and was working 
for paychecks as a small business sales consultant. And I worked with small business owners and I helped manage their payroll and get them set up on payroll services. And so that's kind of what that little bug of small business kind of came from talking with these small business owners. And many of them were just like, why aren't you doing your own business? And I was like, I never thought about it. You know, I've mm. never thought about doing my own business. That's never been in my wheelhouse before. And so that's some of what I did after I did therapy. So it was, it was therapy. Then I was in a sales career for about eight years or so. And then I got burned out on the corporate grind and just said, nope, I'm out. I have this weird seven year itch. I think every, every seven years, something happens, right? Yeah. And so where you, so you say you was from again? I'm from Southern California. Okay. So and you want to demo what I ain't that big of that, that big of, um, of a change. Say that again. I said, that's not a big, that's not that big of a change from California to Denver, but the weather. California to Denver's not, wasn't the biggest change. It was California to Michigan. That was culture shock. Yeah. Okay. That was culture shock. Cause yeah, that, okay. yeah. yeah. Cause I lived, I lived in Oakland and Berkeley and I had a girlfriend too, and she happened to be black. So when I went to Michigan and I'm in an interracial lesbian relationship in Kalamazoo, right. Michigan, that was culture shock. And okay. then the weather. So like, okay. I just was this weird anomaly all the way around. Like nobody really knew what to do with me. And <laughs> I was just like, I'm just this kid from Southern California. You know, that was okay. culture shock. Colorado was a little bit easier on the, a little bit easier on this California kid, a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's West coast. You know? Yeah. <laughs> kind of. It's still landlocked. It's surrounded by mountains. I mean, Denver and Boulder are like the more open-minded arenas. It's still very cowboy. I mean, they still run cattle and steer through yeah. downtown Denver. <laughs> You know, even though we have the Broncos, they still run cattle through through Denver every January for the stock show. So that was that was culture shock for me. I was like, why are there steer running next to me? What? I I was I was the same way when I moved to North Dakota. Oh, wow. And I I was coming from Atlanta, actually. Okay. And I moved to Fargo and I was like, I didn't really want to go. But a friend of mine kind of tricked me into going because he said he was in Minnesota. (laughs) And I said, Minnesota, okay, North Dakota. <laughs> yeah, so I said, okay, yeah, I come to Minnesota. You don't know, no, I'm not going to Fargo, though. So I took the bus. <laughs> right. And the last stop was in Fargo. So I was, I said to the bus driver, I said, are we going to uh, Minnesota? He was like, nah, this is the last stop. So my friend was there. So he picked me up, dropped me in the car. I was like, look, uh, I said, uh, so I thought we was going to Minnesota. He said, well, yeah. And we just crossed over. You know, it was just right over there. He didn't tell me it was the country part of it. So it was. Oh my goodness! It was a big. Uh, uh, that's the. That's when I got. I started listening to country music when I got there. Oh and really? I, yeah, and I started liking some of it. I like Toby Keith, Gretchen Wilson. I went to see her in concert. She was dope. And but I, I, it took a minute to get used to everything. Oh my! That would be so, a trip. Yeah, I don't so know. I, like, I mean, I'm not built for the cold weather, sir. I just am not. So Michigan and Colorado, the thought of going to oh, North not Dakota. not if you're from California. Oh no, Mm-mm. oh no, oh no. I'm from Massachusetts, so I'm I I can you know I can I can get with the cold weather. But that 40 below was something else, though. That mm. yeah, and it's long winters out there. Short mm-hmm. summers, long winters, and that's what I didn't like. I was like, man, when is when is the sun going to come out? It's April. It's you know? April, right? <laughs> Michigan was like that. 300 days of gray. I was like, I yeah. can't do this. Yeah, yeah awful. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. when you made that trans, uh, the transfer to 
Colorado, I know it had to be a challenge for you. And just because you're an athlete, you, I like, I, you know, I'm an athlete as well. I love challenges. Mm-hmm. If I could challenge myself and, and, and it's adventurous, I love it. I, I, I go with it all the time. A lot of my friends, they say, man, where you living now? You here, you <laughs> there, you here. <laughs> and I, I just love the adventure aspect of it and just the, the, you know, just to see if you could make it, you know, and 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 uh, just go out and you and you you'd be surprised of what you're capable of. I think I think so many people are afraid to try something new because they don't want to be a beginner again. Right. We all know that being a beginner is hard, right? Right. But but you're not a beginner. You're, you're, not, starting, you're not starting over. Just you're starting over with experience. So exactly. Experience. You're exactly. Not because a beginner yeah. doesn't have any experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I think you have to have. I tell people I have an insatiable curiosity. I'm curious about things and people and what makes things tick. I think that that's my psychology background and my curiosity about learning about other people and other cultures and other languages. Is I'm just fascinated by this this thing called living, and and I'm fascinated by how people do it. And I'm fascinated about learning about what makes them excited and, and what are they excited about and why. And I, I think if, if it doesn't really matter wherever I've lived, I find people who have similar interests like that. You have to surround yourself yeah. with other people who make you stretch a little bit, yeah. who, who you can lean on when you're struggling and you can lean on when things are hard. But I mean, I like to be around people. I tell people all the time, I, I surround myself with people bigger, better, faster, and stronger than me. I seek out coaches who are, who've done things that I haven't attained. And I've seek out other athletes who've done things that I haven't attained because I just, I love that drive of a person. I'm fascinated by that. Right, you're bound to be the tough one. You know, yeah. being around nine people like that, you're bound to be the tough. And, that's, and, and being around people that are better like that, that's how you get better. Yep. 100%. Absolutely. Exactly how you get better. So going into your entrepreneurial life, uh, Kim. <laughs> yeah. How did you I start? Know, a- chapter what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next chapter. <laughs> yeah. How did you start your cleaning service? So thanks to my nephew. Um, my nephew, I have four nieces and nephews. I adore them. I love being the proud auntie. They're just amazing kids. And when he was young, my stepsister was not a healthy person and he kind of didn't have the right pathway. His dad wasn't really involved in his life ever. And so when he um, came into our world, he was only two. My parents got married and my stepfather had two kids and one was older and one's younger than me. And my elder stepsister had a son and he was two. And at age 19, when I came home from Colorado and I had come home on vacation, I hadn't seen him and was just like, hey, buddy, I want to see you. Let's go walk along the beach, hang out with some of my friends from high school. Just come hang out with us. And so he had lunch with me and some friends. And and as we were walking along the beach, he just was like, Aunt Kim, how long have you been friends with, with Davey and Deb and these people? And I said, since I was 13. And he's like, you've been friends with them longer than I've been born. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's the way friendship is supposed to be lifelong. And you doesn't matter where you are, where you live. And you bring people around that, that like you as my kiddo, I want you to meet my friends. And he's like, I love that. He goes, but you know, you keep telling me to follow these dreams and, and you're super supportive, whether I go to college or whether I don't go to college or super supportive. And he goes, the one thing that's really bothering me is you're really unhappy. You're miserable right now. 
Because when I was working at that last sales company, I was really stressed. I had been dating someone that wasn't healthy for me. She was not a good, a good person or a good relationship. And then I was working in an environment where my boss was a micromanager and she just wasn't my t- cup of tea. She used a lot of negative reinforcement. Um, you know, publicly, public facing would be praiseworthy. And then behind the scenes in private would be in your face and grilling you and not telling you that you're a good person. And it was just this really incongruent, non positive environment for me. And so he saw that I wasn't happy in my relationship. So I wasn't happy at work. And so he was really struggling. He's like, look, I want people to walk their talk in my life. Like I've had family members who don't do that. My mom didn't do that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I agree with you. I'm doing my best to walk my talk. I've never said I haven't. And he goes, yeah, but I really wish that you were happy. And this was just this big aha moment. Like, what am I doing? Just what am I doing? And I went back to Denver and three weeks later, I quit my job. Just quit my job flat out. And I was like, I had saved a little bit of money, not a lot, but enough to get by for a few months to figure out what I wanted to do for my next iteration. And I had had those people planting their seeds in my head about small business, you know, three years of small business, chirp, 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 you know? And one of them, I was like, you know, what if I brought this California vibe to Denver? What is it I really want? I really enjoyed the coffee shop when I studied in school. I love when I'm in sales and I go out for a business meeting and we meet in a coffee shop. It's that whole Again, I think it's that community piece that we just talked about surrounding yourself with other people. And I was like, I think I want to build a coffee shop. So I go through this whole little kind of life purpose thing for myself. And I'm like, what do I really want if I'm going to build a business? And I go to my financial advisor and I say, hey, I'm going to build a coffee shop. I want to build a business. And she looked at me and she goes, nope, you want to move back to California. You don't want to bring California to Denver. If you sit here in a brick and mortar, you've never worked in one place ever, and you would be married to this location. And so she just really poked holes in that idea, poked big ones in that idea. And she goes, if you really want your nephew to come live with you and you really want to teach him how to pursue his dreams, you need to think bigger. It's not about the coffee shop. It's about the vehicle that you need to build to move back to California. And as I was coming through this process and was like, what am I gonna do when I grow up. Holy crap. I just invited my nephew to come live with me too, get him out of the, the house that he was living in here in California. And I don't have a job and I don't have a business. I need to figure this out. So I was cleaning my house. I always joke with people. I am Italian and I was raised to not have idle hands. And so I was cleaning my house all the time. And I even offered to help my friend organize her closet because she's completely disorganized. So I went over and organized her closet for her and all this stuff. And I reached out to a friend of mine and I said, hey, I know you have your own cleaning company. Do you want employees? And she goes, no, you need to build your own business. I'll show you how. And that's what planted the seed of a cleaning company. Hmm. And so we went to a coffee shop and had a conversation about how she built her own cleaning business and that she's, she's a solopreneur. She only wants to do it for herself. But she said, you have all the tools, you understand how to do this. Why don't you build your own company? And so August of 2010, I quit my job. And October of 2010, I had gained my first cleaning client and started my own company in 2010, in the middle of the recession with no income. And December 1st, my nephew moved in with me. So. Yeah, that was my big transition of how in the world did I go from this to this to this to a coffee shop to a cleaning company. 
because the cleaning company could provide me the avenues that I needed to get home. No doubt. And, and the key thing is you never gave up. You kept pushing. Oh, heck no. You know, you can't. <laughs> That's not an option. <laughs> right. That's right. Because, hey, you, you can't have, uh, like Oprah said it the best, I don't have a plan. Uh, B, C, D, A has to work. That's, that's just, the you, and you just vary it. Like, what is it that you need to do? And you altering, right. you adjust accordingly. And I think depending on the sport, depending, I mean, look at how quickly you have to react in boxing, right? Yeah. Like you literally do one move and you get pummeled and you do another move and, and you can totally take that one guy. But if you're not paying attention, you're going to get laid out. Oh, no question. No question. With ease. And you know, it's funny. You said a clean business when I was reading your bio, uh, my wife had, had a clean, uh, clean business as well. And the guy that's on my promotional team, he has a clean, his courteous cleaners, you know, that we call him Jimmy B. Jimmy B nice. talks about his cleaning. And he says the same thing you said. I brought my cleanest business from, from, from zero to, to a hundred. And he made it, he made all his money as a multimillionaire off his mm-hmm. clean business. And he's retired. He was an engineer as well. And then right now he just, all he does is hang around his, his his cleaning company. He might work here and there and get uh, still get business. But he said, I just do it just because I'm used to it and I love it. And it's, it's, that's uh, it's amazing. I, I couldn't get a cleaning business because I don't clean that good. <laughs> <laughs> even, when, even when I think I clean good. I mean, one time I tried sweeping the floor is my pet PR, man, please. I think I sweep the floor well. My mom's come behind me. He ain't sweep nothing. Yeah, and sweep the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. White glove clean in my house growing up. So I had to learn pretty well, like how to do that. I think it's not necessarily the cleaning. The piece of it is what I provided to others. I provided peace of mind. I provided the fact that 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 I think most of our biggest investments take business out of it, but our biggest investments are our homes, right? This is our sanctuary. This is our space to raise our children and raise our families. And this is a space where we celebrate with others, where we mourn with others. And if we can keep that sanctuary safe and we can keep the pets safe and the children safe and all that, it's a gift cleaning that that, that I provided. It was a gift to other people so that they could have that like, I didn't want to do my chores today. I could come home from all the stress of my work and I came home to a clean house. So for me, cleaning is not really a luxury. It's a necessity. It's, it's, it's the feeling that, that it gives to a family. Um, And that, that pride that I have in having employees who cared that much about the work that they did to make other people feel good. It comes from my, like, I think my, my therapeutic background, that really empathetic part of who I am and the athlete part of a team, those two components of developing my employees and the types of employees that I had employed with me, they're just good people. And I wanted to surround myself with people I liked, you know, it was my company and it was my core values. And, and, you know, my grandfather is my, both my grandparents on my mother's side are immigrants from Italy. And he always said, no work, um, all work is honorable as long as you don't lie, cheat or steal. So it doesn't matter whether you do manual labor. It doesn't matter whether you go to school. What matters is that you have integrity. And so to me, when doing cleaning is, is one of the most honest, work ethic pieces of work you can provide for another person is to help clean for them. So, so to take great pride in that, it was a big deal to me. And my wife said, if you find any, any, uh, coins and any coins or change or a dollar bill or somebody's sofa, you didn't find it. 
<laughs> oh, I'm the other way around. You find it and you put it on the counter and you exactly. say, I found your kid's spare change and allowance. Right, right, right. That's what she was, that's what she means. You didn't find it. You can't put that in your pocket. That's right. in somebody else's house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But when we were tested, like there's been, there were yeah. clients that would put like a $20 bill underneath their mat. One, they wanted to see that you picked up their rug. And two, yeah. they wanted to see if you were honest, if you found it. Yeah. You know, and now we're in the land of video. So you get nanny cams and nursing cams all over the place. So I just tell my employees, I was like, you need to know you are under camera at every house that you're in. Yep. Alexa speaks to you people. Google talks to you. Like there's <laughs> things that happen right now. Just act as if you are being monitored because you are, well, you really are. She, you was right. They, she said the same thing that people would try her, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. I always joke with people that I'm your most, I, I mean, I was a year away from a PhD. All I needed was about one more year before I have a PhD. And I was like, I'm your most highly educated toilet bowl cleaner you're ever going to find. And I'm <laughs> damn proud of it. <laughs> so Kim, you took all the success that you have from, from your business and now you're a, a life coach and a business coach. Um, from your point of view, Kim, what characteristics make up a successful entrepreneur? Grit grit and an unwavering belief that you can find a way through the difficulty. I think there's a fallacy, especially with what's happening with social media and what's happening with Instagram and all these things is that people see the end result of success. They don't see the grind, right? Or you see championships and they don't see the discipline. They don't see that you got up early to go get an extra workout in because you needed to work on some piece of your, of your game or your fight or your, or your match that you needed to, to hone or to get better. They don't see that part of it. And I think the piece that I love teaching my clients is those things that became, that helped them be successful in whatever career path they've been in or their pursuits is that they are totally applicable to an entrepreneurial person. You just have to take those skills and then double down on those strengths that you really have and then identify those things that you're not really good in and find someone to help you in that arena. And so grit is something that's really important. Discipline is really important. You can't just manifest, oh, I built a company and sit here and look cute and all of a sudden people come to you. That's not how it works. And I think I think the ones who, who leverage people, meaning relationship, and honesty and integrity and the ability to say, hey, I'm willing to learn from him or her. Those people who put ego in check do really well, because if you if you step all over everybody to achieve what your definition of success is, you're, you got to rest your head at night and put your, your head on the pillow just like everybody else. Yeah. And if you can't be proud of, of what you've accomplished in that day, then then it doesn't matter what your bank account says. So I think I think having integrity is really important especially now when people can break your business in two seconds, if they, if you lie to them or, or cheat or steal, as grandpa said. Um, so yeah, grit, perseverance, have a little fun, surround yourself with people you enjoy. Yeah. Depend on your friends. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't have the successes that I have if I didn't have supportive people around me. No one does entrepreneurship alone. No one, no one does it alone. That's awesome. Kim, mm -hmm. thank you so much for being on our show. Awesome interview. Thank you. <laughs> uh, how can people find you on social media? 
KimBradyBusinessCoaching.com is my website. And Kim Brady on LinkedIn is probably the best way to find me and has all my other links there as well. So you're also a chef. Uh, what, what, <laughs> James, what do you think about having her back for a cooking show? <laughs> I'm not a chef. My nephew was a chef, though. He became a chef, but I'm not a chef. I do enjoy cooking. Oh, me too. So, well. what, you know, I, I'm still trying to find out what's the best non-stick frying bread. There's this one. An iron skillet. Well, there's an one iron skillet. It's the only skillet I have in the house. An iron skillet. Perfectly seasoned iron skillet. Yeah, okay, but how many scrubs? Has it went through like 80,000 scrubs? You know how they scrub it to see how long it takes for the, the stick to, to wear off? I have no idea how many scrubs, but I've had mine for, gosh, this one I've had for like 10 years. Hmm. My nephew, he was a chef, even said, he goes, how'd you get this season like this? I go, I cook in it every day. Right. And you never touch it with soap. Never touch it with soap. No, no, no? that's the skillet. No, that's the skillet. Yeah, you never touch. You never touch an iron skillet no. with soap. You'll ruin no. the seasoning. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you gotta, you gotta make sure too that you know that a lot of that stuff don't come off, come off to come off into your food as well. Yes. So you you do have to use. Uh, I use the blue scrubby scrunch sponge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then kosher salt. Put kosher salt on it, and that acts as your scrubber. And yep. it properly seasons it. And then you put a little oil on it and you proof it, it back in the oven at 200 degrees yep. and you got your stuff ready to go. Yep. And you don't have to season it every time once yeah. you get it going. Yeah. Right. Right. Now, my grandmother told me that a long time ago about the skillets. Yep. <laughs> you got to have a good iron skillet. And as my grandma used to say, because she got mad at her little brother one day when he decided to, to smart mouth with her when she and my aunt Lee were cooking when they were teenagers she whacked her little brother upside the head with the iron skillet too and stepped over him to finish cooking dinner. And it was a story of our family for the longest time that iron skillets aren't just a cooking. They're, they're a good threat. To oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the, grand, the, the old, the older people, they, they know about They're that. not playing, are they? Yeah, they're they not playing. Quick. I, I do not recommend if anybody hears this, do not hit any children over the head with an iron skillet coming from the yeah. therapist. Do not abuse your children. Not, not nowadays. Cause you will go to jail. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they call that abuse. Yes, indeed. Attempted murder. Yeah. They were siblings. So I guess they could have gotten away with it at the time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Kim. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me very much. It was great. Oh, it was you're great. You're welcome. You, Kim. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. You much too. success. Much success. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Talk Happy to you New soon. Happy New Year. All right. Yeah, Take care. To sign up for coaching or purchase Kim Brady's books, just go to KimBradyBusinessCoaching.com/books, and for social media, Facebook or Instagram, CoachKB15.